What's up everyone? Welcome to the Deer Vane Whitetail Series and this is the beginning of the end. This is the start of the late season segment. We got 8, 9, 10 episodes coming out on the late season. If you're like me, you didn't kill in the pre-rut or the rut or the early season. Now we're on the late season and it can be a real grind, but at the same time, deer are still plentiful. Um, they're still active in daylight hours and it's arguably one of the best times to kill a mature deer just because there's so much scarcity around. So... Um, it should be, I've already had recorded a couple of these podcasts and they've been awesome, really helpful, very useful for me personally, and I hope they are for you as well. As always, this podcast has been sponsored by Onyx and Arrow Hunter Saddles. I really appreciate their support. So if you guys could show them some support, that would mean a lot to me. Um, Arrow Hunter Saddles, it's a tree saddle. Um, saddle hunting is a real, getting real popular right now. I use that saddle probably 50, 60% of the time. Um, I'm out when I'm out trying to be mobile, um, it's just so much easier than carrying a stand and sticks. It, it really is. I just put up four sticks and then I stand on the top stick and I'm ready to rock. Um, and you can pretty much get into a lot of different trees and it's just, it's a, it's a good system. If you're trying to be mobile and especially late season, you may need to be mobile because food sources will change. Bedding areas will change and you got it. You have to hunt the hot sign in late season. Um, cause it's, likely the only sign that you're going to find. So being mobile um, is very, very big in the late season. And uh, if you're ever looking into those saddles, look at Arrow Hunter saddles. As far as Onyx goes, you know, they're the GPS mapping app, show private public land boundaries. Uh, they give you waypoints, topo maps, hybrid maps, satellite maps. Um, you can track your distances, all sorts of things. I even use it for running when I go for runs. I'll just track where I go and it'll give me times and distance and all that stuff. So please go check out Onyx Maps and Arrow Hunter Saddles if you guys are in the market for either of those uh, categories. All right, let's get into it. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Deer Vane Podcast. Uh, today, I got Josh Profit on, and, and Josh has been on the podcast before. And one of the things that always intrigues me about Josh and why I like to have him on is because he he is what he is your your standard guy that has a job. We were just talking. He's got four kids, has a girlfriend, like has a lot of other life commitments, but he's still able to get out in the woods a lot, and not necessarily hunt a lot, but he puts a lot of time in scouting and Josh runs an ungodly amount of trail cameras, which gives him a large amount of insight into what the deer are doing and just like gathering data and information. So wanted to have Josh, I asked Josh to come on today and we were going to talk a little bit about like our seasons and then also about um, kind of late season a little bit, but then also we're going to spend a lot of time on postseason scouting, like what you can do because a lot of seasons are wrapping up and what you can do right away in the postseason to start preparing for next year. Um, but before that, we were just talking this and talking a little bit. And I was, uh, Josh had asked me how my season was going. Um, and I just said, like, I had got, uh, where was I at? I got that elk in September, set aside some weekends in November. And it was, oh, I was going to tell you, it was four weekends straight of Southwest winds. So it was, it was interesting. Cause our property, I, I enter our property from the South. So like, I don't, I had a lot of stuff set up for Northwest winds, which is prevailing in like the fall timeframe for us in Wisconsin. And it forced me to really uh, like kind of adapt and figure out some creative entry and exit routes to get to stands because it's kind of like, I got to cross a lot of deer trails to get there, you know? 
Um, and my son's kind of blowing into the property the whole time. So I did get permission from one neighbor to enter from his property, which was really nice. Um, and he's on the north side of me, so I can drive up into his field and then drop down into our property, into our valley. But at the same time, he's like, yeah, I'll give you permission, but I have four guys who lease my property. So like, just try not to make it a habit, you know, and call me before you do it. So I, and I, I appreciate that and I respected it. So I only use that a couple of times. Um, but yeah, that's how, that's how that went. And I, I swung and missed on a nice buck and I had a, another buck come face to face with um, a really nice 10 point. I was creeping up over a rock ledge and just all of a sudden was staring at him at 10 yards and he was staring right at me, <laughs> just like my shoulders and up. Um, and he was on a hot doe and there were three other bucks in the area too. And one other shooter, um, which I think is the one that I actually missed. So it was, that was, that was a pretty unique scenario. And then I had, um, one other good buck encounter this year. I was thinking about it the other day and I can't remember what happened, but I just didn't get it. I didn't get a chance at him. But how about you, man? You're posting a lot of great photos lately um like wrapping up the season finally getting time to edit but uh it seemed like you had a tough year especially with your compound man i'm posting a lot of pictures because i'm not killing anything (laughs) i have man i um i've had the best year for where i hunt at as far as opportunities but um i bought a compound this year i've been shooting uh traditional for three or four years and um, I just, I ran into some issues with my knock, with my knocks and my release and yeah, and it's been tough, man. I had the, uh, the biggest deer I've, of my life at, I don't know, 12, 15 yards broadside and literally couldn't, the bow blew up in my hand. Um, and then the next day, uh, same scenario, uh, drove the bow shop, got it fixed. The next day I had a mid thirties deer, 10 yards and, um, yeah, same same issue. So I sold the bow and picked the long bow back up. Yeah, what? So like, what do you mean your bow blew up? We kind of texted about this, but you were saying, yeah, explain that. Like your knock had some issues, and well, it took me a while to figure out what was going on. Um, basically, um, I, there was too much serving on the string it was causing a lot of knock pinch, and I knew it was because it would pick my arrow up when I was drawing back. Okay. But I just rode with it um, when I shouldn't have. And the first buck that come by, well, he come by, I drew my bow back. It actually pulled the knock out of the arrow. So the knock stayed on the string. The arrow fell down and caught my rest. And this 160-inch eight-pointer is 10 yards. Um, And I I went to let the bow down. And I, I, I didn't know what happened, but the bow literally just, it shot, it, the bow shot. Um, the next, I drove two hours back to okay. the bow shop. And then like, the wait, so when it shot, like the cables and the string and everything just came right off all the cams and all that? The cables were fine. The string stayed on the bow the first time, but it, I mean, it just almost cut it in two. It was hanging on just by a few threads um oh. my peep sight flew off my kisser button flew off 
<sighs> so I just, I rode back to the archery shop. It was a five hour round trip. I got the bow fixed, got it recited in the next day. The whole arrow fell off about the same time, 24 hours later, I went to let down again and the bow went off and it completely broke the string. Um, so yeah. So what had happened there was when I put that new string on the second time, there was less serving. So yeah. it, the insert, the, uh, <clears throat> the knocks of my arrow were spread apart. So when I put that new string on there, the knocks fit real loose. And when I, when I drew back it, the arrow literally just fell off the bow. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. Uh, so we, we go to day three, I get it fixed. I get the bow fixed. I get, I go back, I get in the deer stand I'm, and I'm scared to death. I done shot this bow a bunch of times. Yeah. I done recited in. Everything's good. So I get in the deer stand and I'm scared. I'm about scared of the bow really at this point. Yeah. Confidence is real low <laughs> at this point. Yeah. So I draw my bow back. Every, the arrow stays on there. Everything's good. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm good. I go to let the bow down. It shoots. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I shoot a, a true ball thumb release, tension release. Yeah. From the factory, it would not hold my 75-pound modules. Okay. So it, basically, you could pull the bow back, but as soon as those cams broke over and it caught a bunch of tension, the release would not hold the pressure. So it just shot. <laughs> so I adjusted on the release, got it good, and – uh by then i was into late november and it's just it started getting tough man i didn't have any confidence in the bow i decided to put it on ebay and she's gone she got <laughs> yeah that'll 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 do it's amazing how much confidence plays a role in your shooting abilities you well, know i've been bow hunting 21 years and you got to be confident. And I was the, the, honestly, it was not the bow. The bow was fine. It was a knock issue and a release issue. And it just wasn't meant to be, but my confidence wasn't there. So I just, I sold the equipment. Um, yeah. So I did that. Maybe. I did that with a bow. I mean, so I have, I have the exact, not the, not the same story. I didn't have the problems you had, but last year I had a really nice, that non-typical I was kind of chasing. He was at 33 yards. And he was kind of through some stuff, but I thought I could thread the needle. But just with the bow that I was shooting, I just wasn't that confident with threading the needle through there. This year, like with my new bow, I'm, I'm very confident in it, but I just, I, I didn't take the shot because I wasn't confident in it. And, uh, and it was probably, it was probably the right choice looking back, you know, but at the same time, um, confidence just plays such a role. And, and so I got, when I got done with season, I sold that bow right away too. I just wasn't, I actually bought a new bow mid season just to shoot with it and make sure that I could uh, have, get some confidence and reaching out to 30 and 40 yards. And, and even then, like, I was still like, man, I'm trying to get 20 yards and under. So I, it's hard to miss. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Right. You got to have that confidence, man, whether it's, whether it's anything in life, you know, hunting, your marriage, your job, if you're not confident in anything, then you're probably not going to thrive. You're not going to strive to do good. So, um, you have to be confident when you head out to the woods. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, for sure. So, and that was, that was the Matthews VXR, right? Yep. And yep. I love the bow, man. I, I, <laughs> I loved it. I shot it good out to 60 yards. Um, man, it shot good. Um, I shot a real heavy arrow out of it. I, I did. I love the bow. I love the way it looked, but after the issues, man, I was just, I did not, my confidence wasn't there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, no, that's that's funny because like that's the bow I'm shooting right now, and I have like total and utter pure confidence in pretty much anything I shoot out to sixty yards with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It, yeah, it was a sweet bow, but just um, the the few issues I had, man, it just it, it done me in. <laughs> yeah, no, and that actually brings me to a, a point I was thinking about, and I and I'm fairly certain you're of the same mindset, but I don't want to put words in your mouth is, uh, you know, like the ATA isn't going on this year. And a lot of people are starting to release a lot of new products for the upcoming year and all that. And, uh, one of the things I was thinking about was, was buying all that stuff. And I don't think like I could spend a thousand dollars or two grand or three grand or whatever on new gear. And it's doesn't, it's not going to create more opportunities for me. You know what I mean? Like the gear, it seems to me like the gear is secondary to the knowledge and understanding of where, where deer are and where, and how to create opportunity. Because, I mean, you can have the nicest, one of the nicest bows like you had as a VXR. And I mean, it didn't perform, but if you had your VXR or you had your stick bow and you were wearing, you know, jeans and a cam and just a camo shirt that you bought off of Walmart, you still would have been in those similar opportunities. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, nothing can replace woodsmanship. Um, You know, you got people that get pictures of deer. You got people that get on deer. But the people with a lot of woodsmanship that do good are the people that kill the deer. So, I mean, there's you can't put a price on woodsmanship. Um, It's something that, you know, comes with time. It may not come for everyone, um, but you just you you got to have the woodsmanship and you got to be got to be confident yeah no and i that's just something i wanted to bring up with all this all all the gear coming up because there's certain gear levels you know like um like if you wanted to get good camo like i think you run a bunch of kuyu which is a phenomenal camo system i have first slider sitka like it'll get you like more comfortable in the woods but it's not gonna put you in the right tree at the right time really right you know it's not gonna I was also thinking about, I and and this will kind of lead into the, the trail camera stuff, which is, you know, one of the things so many of us lack is the time to the time to get into the woods, right? I mean, that's always one of the hardest things to find. And the only like product or piece of gear you can find that can really like save you time is trail cameras. Man, <laughs> you're right. And if I was to put, you know, that in my top three things that I would have to take, like a trail camera would be, it would be number one. Um, I could explain why I could, we could sit here for hours. Um, but man, when you don't have much time like me, three or four days a month to hunt and scout, that's all I got. A, a, a tool that is out there 24-7, 365 days a year. And now, can send the device right to your phone um yeah you you cannot put a price on it and you know people may think that 
it's cheating or you're cutting corners like you still have to have that woodsmanship you still have to have attention to detail because you as the hunter still have to put the camera out you're doing the scouting you find the camera placement so you know if you're getting good pictures of bucks you know chances are it's because you you did your homework you did right you put the camera in a good location and there's i'll say it a thousand times man you cannot put a price on a device that scouts for you 24 7 yeah yeah and and from to that end i like what i was thinking about was generally man if i wanted to like like that is my limiting my personal that's my limiting factor like you know you can you can you can buy camo you can buy tree stands you can buy bows you can get really nice broadheads and everything my limiting factor and so many people's limiting factor is time and when you get a good set i mean how many trail cameras do you run josh between you don't and you and your buddy man i've kind of bounced off i'm kind of like the lone wolf now okay so um, all right it's just me um but when me and my buddies were running them it was over 100 um i have about 70 myself the past two years i have only ran about 20 um just because of my time i have less time now than what i used to and i can tell you that it has drastically affect my success and where i where i think or where i want to go in the woods like it really has yeah and is that just can you can you explain that a little bit more i mean is it just because you that you aren't able to cover as much ground and find where these big bucks are in certain years and where they've moved to and whatnot or so i've always said that i set my cameras up for inventory purposes i rarely use i do a select few cameras that i try to really pinpoint some deer out down with but most of the time my cameras are inventory based they're a good part a good ways away from each other and i you know i like to cover five to eight thousand acres with my cameras i mean that's normally what i hone in on and um it just <laughs> the last two years i i've just lost my time man because it takes time to get that many cameras out and to and check, to check them. them yeah yeah and to check them and um you know i had that ehd outbreak on my favorite uh wma all the deer died or most all i'm gonna say 70 percent this is last year there were no deer there so it forced me to move a couple hours south so not only do i not have any time i'm hunting you know two two and a half hours away from home on a great piece of government property great big piece of government property and um it's just been a lear learning curve for me man new piece of property the deer are totally different than what i'm used to it's a it's a big wood setting versus more of an agriculture setting so um I, yeah i just i haven't got to get my cameras out like yeah. i've liked to it's not that I don't want to, it's I, I physically do not have the time. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean that, that the time that you would save, you know, the thing is, is during hunting season, we all have like limited time. We're not, there's very, very few of us that have like, you know, three or four months off to just hunt. Right. So getting those cameras out, finding out, you know, Hey, if you're, especially if you're exploring this new piece of property, I mean, that's one of the hardest things is breaking down a new piece of property in the first year and like trying to just figure out where the hell these deer are during daylight hours and not necessarily even just, you know, 
finding them because a lot of times you'll find them, but it, you'll find the sign and then you put a camera there and then it's like all action from 10 PM to 4 AM. And you're like, crap, this is nice to know that these deer are here, but where the hell are they coming from? And how can I figure, how can I get them during daylight? And if you're looking at, you know, a new piece that's thousands of acres or even hundreds of acres, you know, finding where to sit on a Saturday and Sunday evening, you know, you get two sits across, you know, 600 acres and you're like, man, I don't know where to go. And deploying those cameras are what can tell you where to go. Right. Yeah. So I've kind of developed a system over the years and I just call it like the three W's like when, where, and why. And if I can put all three of them together and I can't always do that. Well, I can't, there's a lot of times I can't do that, but when I do, I normally, I normally get in real close on what I'm trying to hunt, but, um, it's just, it's tough, man. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is because I, yeah, I mean, the, even on my property, you know, I think like somebody told me once in general, it takes like four to six years to really learn a property and understand the patterns that occur throughout the year from the early season, the pre-rut, the rut, and then the postseason to understand how the deer actually utilize it. And trail cameras can really shorten that curve for you. Um, they can make, they could trim it down from say five years to maybe three years or something like that. Just give, it gives you more data, more information so that you can start, you know, figuring out a little bit better. But, um, but at the same time, understanding, like, I mean, I have a lot of sporadic, it seems like I have a lot of sporadic movement. I haven't connected the dots yet on my property, our private piece, the, the, when, you know, is it morning or evening sits or midday sits, you know, and the where and the why and where they're betting and how they're moving and stuff. You know, the other day I went, uh, we had this thing called man camp where we all go down to um, one of our buddies' properties. And this year it was just, it, we all wanted to go to my property and we do squirrel hunting and bunny hunting and check trail cameras, call some coyotes and just have a, have a good time. Um, and I checked my ca trail cameras and I wanted to bow hunt one night just because there was a lot of deer activity um, I have one Exodus render, which is a cell cam on our driveway, just to see people coming in and out because we're kind of building a little cabin on the place. It's kind of more just like a, a built out shed. But, um, but we were getting deer coming up and down the driveway. So I was like, all right, well, there's got to be some, you know, decent bucks in here and whatnot. And when I went and I hunted um, Saturday night, bow hunted Saturday night, and then I didn't see a single deer, went out Sunday and bunny and squirrel hunted with my buddies and we hunted a different property on saturday during the day and then i just bow hunted on saturday night um while my buddies sat in the cabin and got drunk so i probably should have just done that with them but <laughs> but so then um we went out and checked the cameras and i didn't have i i checked five cameras and um the three days prior and that day i didn't have a single picture of deer and it seems like they come in in spurts like they come in and they're on my property for three four five days and then they're off my property for a week or two and they're all kind of herded up and they're all moving together and it's like i guess i just need to figure out what days they're coming through you know and kind of learn that pattern and hopefully capitalize because i do have it's january 17th today um so i do have two or three we have till the end of january to hunt here in wisconsin so okay. I still have some opportunity left, but, um, 
just getting out there, you know, it's so hit or miss right now. Either they're there or they're not. Right. Man, one thing I've learned, and I've learned this a lot over the last two years is, man, not every deer act the same. They are a, a lot of, a lot of them are location specific by meaning like the WMA, the 8,000 acre WMA, I hunted my favorite piece. The deer act totally different than they do two, three hours south on this government ground it is it is just very different the uh the deer are a lot more nomadic there is from what i can tell and it makes it so tough there's not any rhyme or reason where they're coming from or where they're going not that i've put together yet um so you you just have to really get out there you know because i don't have much time so i just i try to move efficiently but you find the success in the details so you know I'm going fast, but I'm not going so fast that I do not miss the details or I try not to because that's, I mean, in the details is where I've always found the success. Okay. And just picking out those subtle, those subtle pieces that a lot of people walk by. Yeah. I mean, it's, you only, you only get that from scouting, you know, like I, if I have a weekend to hunt, chances are one of those days, or, you know, half, half the weekend, I'm going to be checking truck hammer, scouting, looking for fresh sign. And um, I just think that a lot of people just, just miss on the details, man, whether yeah. it be something, whether it be something as simple as a, a light trail with a big track in it. Um, yeah. So I'm just saying, I, don't miss the details. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a great point. The, one of the other things that I personally always have a, a lot of time or a hard time with is like, you know, if I'm, if it's hunting season and I have the opportunity to hunt, it's hard for me to go, man, I should take this time and scout rather than sit in a tree. You know, like that's always kind of difficult for me is, is making that decision. And I tend to lean towards, well, I'm just going to pick a spot and sit there for four hours and kind of maybe kind of sort of, half-ass scout my way out and maybe there's a trail camera or two along the way that I can check but that's kind of like how I approach it and I and and this coming year I think you know I, I want to change it up I want to get better at that do you so like say you have a weekend to hunt and you can't hunt Friday night like you get off work and and you head down and you throw up your tent or whatever and you get in it and you got you start hunting Saturday morning are you Saturday morning? Are you like, are you hunting that first hour or two and then going to scout the rest of the day and then hunting the evening? Or are you just like getting up and scouting in the morning, checking your cameras, figuring out where the movement is and then sitting that in the evening or how do you, do you have a rhyme or reason to that? Yeah. So the, the big thing is the weather. Um, I don't care what anybody says. In my opinion, weather trumps everything. It, it always has from what I can tell versus the time of year it is the moon phase, whatever it's, it's all about the fronts, the weather, the pressure, etc. So <clears throat> if the weather's good and I have a decent idea of, you know, where a few bucks are going and I do like to stack my odds, I would rather go into an area with five or six Pope and Young's than to an area with one big deer um, just because my okay. time is so limited. Um, but if I got a good cold morning, um, and it's, it's October or I'm getting some daylight pictures on my cell cameras, on my renders, you know, I will go in for a short hunt, but the whole time I'm up there, I'm thinking like, man, 
I really got to figure out exactly where I need to be. So I'm going to get down. I'm going to scout, look for sign. And the, and the good thing about running a lot of cameras is like the whole time you're checking these cameras, like it's, it's really just one big scouting mission. So it's not, it's not necessarily about checking cameras and pulling inventory. It's about looking for the details. Um, so a lot of times, you know, if I can get from point A to point B and there's a road back there, um, I'll cut through the timber. Um, as, as weird as that sounds, I will cut through the timber because I want to scout on my way because I'm knocking, you know, two birds out with one stone. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I just, it's it just goes back to the time thing, the time management, not having much time to hunt, being efficient and trying to kill something. It's just, it's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Um, when you, when you don't have much time, you know, it it's is the worst, it is the worst feeling in the world sitting in the deer stand and not being confident. Um, <laughs> when I started, yeah. when I started killing deer, when I say killing deer, like, you know, year after year, um, I've kind of hit a streak where I've kind of fell off that, but, uh, I found my success where before, when I was younger, I would just go in and I would feel good about a spot and I would set up. And as I got older, I, I realized like I have to figure out, you know, why are the deer here? Where are they coming from? And what time are they here? Like when I started trying to figure all that out and putting all that together, um, it did my, my success rate went right up. Okay. Yeah. Trying to figure out that, what was it? The when, where, and why? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yep. you know, just, it's just one of them deals where, Let's say you go to a, a new piece of public you you have, it's early November, you have a good saddle or a good place you want to go during the rut. And so you go, you go sit on it, you just walk to it and you sit on it and you feel decent about it because it's November and it looks like a good area that deer should be using if they're, if they're traveling, if they're cruising. But, you know, if you maybe would have took a day and scouted that general few hundred acres out right there you probably would have found a lot more information than just looking at your phone and going and climbing up a tree. Yeah. Yeah. I can, uh, I can see both, both sides of that for sure. And, and you and I have very likely been in these scenarios, which is, you know, you, you pick a spot on the map and you go there and you hunt it and it's, and it sucks. And then other times you've just picked a spot on the map and you set up and you're, and you see deer and you get an opportunity at a doe or a buck or whatever. And you're like, Holy shit, I picked the right spot off the satellite map. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the odds of that actually coming true are pretty slim, but it happens every now and then I, and I think people might, uh, be overconfident in their capabilities because it happens once or twice, but you know, the more you do that, the more you realize like, it's not, it's not that easy. And a lot of people can pick the same spots on the map as you and go and sit. And a lot of times hunters naturally gravitate towards, towards the saddles, towards the pinch points, towards the funnels, like the things that you can see pretty easily off a of topo in a satellite map. You know, a lot of people gravitate towards that, but I also, or, yeah. So then I also think that when, uh, when you're when you're unconfident I, i've also been there many times where you're like i don't know where to sit i don't know where to sit well i'll just sit here 
and then you go and and you get halfway there and you're like well maybe i should hunt this other stand or maybe i should go to this other area and then you're like well i don't know about that one because the wind and the entry well what about this one and then you get in this like analysis paralysis mode of trying to pick which stand to hunt and before you know it 30 minutes have gone by and you don't even know what the hell you're doing <laughs> it's just... you know i catch a lot still to this day I catch a lot of crap from people for scouting in November, for checking my trail cameras in November. Um, they're like, it's the rut. What are you doing? You need to be in the tree. Um, and it just goes back to where if, if I'm not a hundred percent confident, if I don't, if I don't know exactly where to go, or at least think that I do, like I'm, I'm not even going to hunt. Like I'm not, there's, there were days this year that I didn't hunt. I was out there, but I was trying to be more efficient, get on better signs. So I just scouted and scouted, check cameras, you know, cause you have to keep in mind, you know, I'm walking 10 to 15 miles a day. I'm covering thousands of acres. So, um, it takes a lot of time. And if I'm just not confident on where I'm sitting, I'm just, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And there's, I mean, and I have very similar, I've had really poor, I've had hunts where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go sit in this stand. And then I go sit in it and I'm in it for like 10 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not feeling this at all. I will go find something else. And this year I actually had it happen once. Um, it was pretty neat. I was up on, we had, we have like a, a valley and there's a road that goes down, down from the top of the hill all the way to the bottom. And it's probably like, I don't know, maybe 200 yards long or so. 150 200 yards and we have a stand right at the top of it a ladder stand and it's 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 your most basic setup deer walk up the four-wheel trail they walk out into the the egg field and and you're there on the four-wheel trail waiting for them so i hopped up in that stand and i just was not feeling it so i worked my way down the road all the way to the bottom and i was thinking about well if the deer are betting over here they might cross here and run up this tree line and i was I worked my way down to the bottom and I knew there was a trail kind of in this right, right. When you get to the bottom, I knew there was like a trail there, but I had never put a camera on it or hunted it or anything like that. And I just kind of stood off to the side of the four wheel trail and just stood there and was like, you know, maybe, maybe I'll get lucky and something will come kind of squirting out there. And it was like at 45 yards or something. And I couldn't really get any closer because it was pretty open at that point. And I was there for maybe 10 minutes and I started hearing some deer and eight does came out from down, from down on that trail. And they all came out and the last one picked me and I was just, and it, and it just stared at me and stopped. And then it couldn't smell me. I had a, I had a perfect, perfect wind for that setup, but it stared at, you know, it did the head bob and the weave thing, you know, and then it stopped and then it just blew out. And when it blew all the other does with it blew and it was just chaos for a little bit. But at the same time, it was, I was very happy with how that hunt kind of ended up because I was unconfident with the stand that I sat in the first time and I moved and it worked out for me. It doesn't work out every time like that. I'm not saying it will for everybody, but at the same time, it gave me, I didn't know, I was kind of like scout hunting, right? I didn't know how the deer utilized that trail. I had seen it, but I've never put a camera. Like I said, I never hunted it. And now knowing what I know now, and with a specific wind, there is a tree in there that I can set up 
and I have had Bucks utilize that trail as well. Um, I've seen them in re- in actual like life when I'm hunting. I've seen them utilize that trail, but it was very sporadic. But now I'm like, well, if that's how they're going to use that, and that's where they're coming from, that's where they're betting. If I set up a stand here and have this wind, I can actually like take advantage of this. I agree, man. I so, agree. Yeah, it's that it was it's that confidence factor. But that was that was just one one story from this year that was really helpful. Um, for me. And I was just, I, I was thinking about trying to shoot one of those does, but, um, they were just kind of squirting out and it was, I think it was like November, I don't know, 14th or 15th, something like that. And I was really hoping there was a buck <laughs> at the back end of them. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, so with that being said, you know, is your season over in Kentucky or are you still rolling? <laughs> So it's, it's the last weekend. Um, and I, and I gave it a good run. I had 10 days off for Christmas and the girl that, um, that I started dating, um, (laughs) it's, it's kind of funny. She had never been hunting. She's never been fishing. Uh, she's never done anything but walk around on the concrete. Um, and when we started dating, I told her, you know, like, Hey, if you want to be with me, like you're, you're going to have to go with me if you want to see me. Like I haven't, I haven't got to hunt very much. I'm going to hunt this year. And, and she did, she bought her own first light. She climbed up the tree with me multiple times. Like she's been doing it her whole life. And uh, what I'm getting at is I made her a deal that, you know, if, if she would hunt with me, those, those 10 days over Christmas, because I, she was four hours away. I never get to see her. I, I said, you know, then I'll probably be done for the year unless an opportunity shows up on one of my renders and I feel like I just really need to be in there. And, um, she did. So I stayed true to my word. I'm at her house right now and it is the last, it's the last weekend of the season. So, yeah, I mean, I'm done hunting, but it never ends. It's, you know, it's, as they say, it's, it's 365. I don't small game hunt much. I don't fish, you know, everything is, is revolved around the deer. Even when I'm turkey hunting, I'm really deer scouting. <laughs> deer scouting with a gobble <laughs> yeah, i mean i really am i've picked up some of my biggest sheds i've found some of my best community scrapes uh you know right in the middle of tur- you know right during turkey season so yeah you know here's uh here's a something that i want to float you um float your way so on our on our property we have kind of um it's a, it's a square block that kind of juts out into an ag field. And in, in the very Northeast corner of this timber block, it it borders kind of ag on two sides, two sides of it, the North side and the East side. And in the Northeast corner, I was up in there this year and it's not, it's the furthest piece from my house and it's extremely hard to access on any sort of wind or anything you have to access it on a south wind and you have to come in from the neighbors otherwise it's it's a pretty thick area and the deer can the deer do bed in there um i found a lot of beds in there and whatnot and as i was i came in from my neighbors this year from on the south wind and dropped into this little block i found a very large community scrape 10 yards inside the wood line um and it was uh, by very large, probably like four feet wide by 
two to three feet, you know, long and all the branches on this tree were toast. Um, so I was like, okay, this thing's giant. And I know that the deer enter and exit kind of out of that corner of our wood line into the, into the ag field and go, you know, wherever the hell else they please. Um, but I wasn't, I, I wasn't a hundred percent sold on it because it's so close to the egg that, um, that I just, I, I feel like if the deer bed in there, like, um, how do I say this? Like, it's so close to the egg that I feel like it's a lot of nocturnal activity because it's so close to open ground. Um, especially when everything's picked, it's just, it's right there on the edge. So the odds of like, it's not like a funnel or where the deer can stay, you know, covered up for the whole time they're walking. Like they're walking around the corner of this, you know, wide open egg field. So I, I walked by and I've just luckily had a camera with me. And I was like, all right, I'm going to drop this camera here. And I went and pulled it the other day. Daytime went, movement. <laughs> what's that? That's said you had a bunch of daytime movement. <laughs> yes, I did. A couple of real nice bucks, daytime movement during the rut, kind of right up in that corner. And I'm like, I was kind of in, in shock at it. I, I really thought it was going to be like, you know, if the sun rose at 6 a.m., I thought it'd be a lot of 4 a.m. when they're coming in from the egg and a lot of, you know, 10 p.m. when they're really getting out into that field. Because I've never seen the deer in that field in daylight hours. We can see it from our parking lot on the land. We can see all the way across the valley. And I've never really seen deer out there. Uh, I've seen them one, one time, and that's because a hunter jumped a bunch of them. But other than that, like, I just expected it to be nocturnal movement. Um, so is, do you have any thought on that, on the, why that's, why that's happening or, or, I mean, next year, I know I'm going to be sitting that all day, even though I'm in this corner, it's not like a, it doesn't seem like a travel route, but apparently it is. So I'm hunting a hundred percent public. And what I've come to terms is you'll find some large rubs or you'll find big buck sign and, and maybe close to a parking lot. Or, you know, it, it's, it just may, people may look at it and think, well, man, that's nighttime movement. Like I've posted pictures on social media of, you know, just good buck sign and be like, oh man, that's nighttime mm -hmm. movement. I'm like, well, how do you know? Like, have you hunted it? Have you ran a couple cameras in there? Like, how do you, like, how can you say that? So to go back to what you're saying, it saying like, I've done that a bunch, man. I've ran some cameras on some buck signs that or buck sign that people are walking right past that I, that really looked like it would be 12 to 4 a.m. It was nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's so, what <laughs> that, that's that what I'm saying. Go going back to the detail. Like you did you did the same thing I would have done, other than I probably would have checked the camera sooner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we went in there. So and it's funny because I went with a friend of mine and we hung the camera and we went in there, we picked a tree. And then my buddy looks at me and goes, man, that looks like a coon tree. I, I don't think we should put a tree stand in it. And then I went, so I went to the next tree, hung the set, good buck sign. I know that they kind of bed in this area and I, I really wanted to stay on the fringe of it because I just didn't want to push them out, you know? Um, so we're, you know, from the corner, we're, probably 50 yards from the north edge and 30 yards from the east edge. So we're kind of right up in that corner. 
and we can kind of see a lot down in there. We sat there that night, didn't see a deer. And my buddy was like, man, that's a great spot. I would really like to go back there. I was like, yeah, you bet, dude. I want to sit a different spot. So we'll swap. You go on up there and I'll go over here. So we swapped um, spots. He went and sat back up there again, no deer. And that those two instances, and this is always a real fall uh, fault on my end, was those two instances kind of proved to me that it was nocturnal activity. Um, which it wasn't like that. I, I, I made an assumption prior to checking the camera, like if like, and two days after that hunting's that hunting weekend that we were there was when the biggest buck I've seen on our property hit that scrape at 10 AM. Um, and it was well within shooting distance. I mean, it was right there. So if I would have been, you know, a little bit more diligent about, checking that I would have found that a lot sooner, like you said, and I would have been able to hopefully capitalize on it. But, you know, he was in there once I have one picture of him hitting that scrape, but I set that, I set that camera at in like no, on November 10th or something. I didn't even know I didn't set it. You know, you'd want to set it like October 10th, you Correct. know, and get all that pre-rut stuff. Um, but so he hit it once and I never saw him again, but I had a couple other good bucks on that camera um yeah and that was a big that was a big you know mistake on my end was i still like that stand and i want to go back up in there and, and figure that out a little bit more and create a better entry and exit for that setup um for a southwest wind which is which is going to be a great wind for that but um but yeah i i botched that for sure <laughs> man it's you know, if um, you're not making mistakes and you're not learning from them, then you're probably not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree with that. Like, yeah, if you ain't failing, you ain't trying. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. And, and I did, you know, that the stand that I went to sit in that morning when I didn't want to sit over there with him was uh, I did have a buck and eight point locked on a doe for five hours in front of me within 40 yards. So it was kind of cool to just watch that whole interaction. And I mean, they moved 15 yards in five hours that morning. Um, oh, and wow. they had no idea I was there. I had good wind and good cover and everything. And I just got to hang out there and watch that whole thing happen. And then I had to get out of there because I had to get home and to the to my wife and son. And so I had my buddy drive his four-wheeler up <laughs> and kind of push them off and pick me up. And away we went. There you go. Yep. Um. So with all that being said, scouting postseason. So, I mean, your season's, your season's wrapping up this weekend, you know, going, going forward, what are you doing over the next, you know, month, two months, three months um, to prepare for, for next season? Well, um, I'm going to keep an eye on my cell cameras. Um, I'll give it, I'll probably give it a month break. Um, my biggest buck I have on camera has shed both sides, uh, two weeks ago. He's, he's done. Um, so I'll wait a little bit, spend some time with the family and I'll start rounding my cameras up shed hunting. Um, I'll shed hunt and scout, uh, straight into turkey season. I'll turkey hunt. I'll scout while I'm turkey hunting. And, um, about June, late May, I'll start deploying my cameras. Um, I'll start looking for the bean, looking for the bucks on the beans, um, getting a better plan. 
uh, you know, of what to do that year. Because the good thing is, man, the good thing about the summer months is, you know, a lot of times if you find one good buck, you find three or four or five. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, here in Kentucky, we, you know, our season does come in earlier. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can scout that way. Um, but a lot of times if you, what I've come in terms with, like, if you find a, a good bachelor group in the summer, um, you know, come October, they're not going to be four miles away. I mean, they're going to, they're going to break up and they're going to move. But if you have, if you've done your postseason scouting, right, you know, you've, you've searched that general area and you know where the deer sign is, uh, you know, where you feel confident, like you're already one step ahead of the game because you, you should, as a hunter know where a general idea where these bucks are going yeah yeah where where they're gonna travel at least yep yep it's um man it's not rocket science it's there's no (laughs) magic pixie dust it's just it's time spent in the woods man and like i've i've found like my greatest success like just honestly just praying about it staying close to god um treating your significant other and putting your kids first um you know i don't get to go out yeah. much you know I've, I've been fortunate and i've killed some nice deer um i've done very well for myself on public land but like none of that really matters to me um you know as long as my kids are taken care of and they're happy um you know that's what really matters to me yeah good for you man that's and i i i think you know you ever listen to dan infault talk not much anymore but i i have listened to him um quite a bit in the over the years and it's it's only because everything gets so saturated man you know yeah (laughs) a lot of the stuff a lot of the stuff that we go over in the podcast is the same and i'm not saying anything bad but it's a lot of it's a lot of regurgitated stuff it is dude i i agree (laughs) And I, so I, I have ahead. not listened to a lot of Dan's stuff lately. I, I can't tell you if he's changed how he used to be. Um, I don't know, but you can fill me in on what, you, what you're wanting to say about it. <laughs> no, my, uh, yeah, my, uh, it's, it has nothing to do with his tactics or anything. It's, it's one of the things he said on one of his podcasts mm-hmm. was, man, I missed birthdays. I missed Thanksgiving. I missed holidays trying to kill big deer. He's like, it's one of my biggest regrets. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, you know, missing family for a deer. He's like, at the end of the day, like, it's cool to kill that big buck, but you know, you, you missed your kids, you know, championship basketball game, or you miss seeing your grandma for the last time at at Thanksgiving or something like that's worth more than antlers on a wall and a little notoriety from your buddies. You and I live in an age where everybody wants to be known. Everybody wants to be Insta famous and everybody wants to be somebody. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what have you really done if you killed a 200 inch deer, but your wife's miserable and your kids never seen you? Like, what have you really accomplished? Like, where's your heart at? Where is that? Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Who do you want to care about you after you die? Like, where do you want that legacy to be? Do you want your kids to be like, man, my dad was awesome. Or do you want someone you don't even know being like, man, do you remember Josh Prophet? He was a great bow hunter. Man, it's just, it's yeah. one of them deals where, man, like if, if you, if you kill a 200 inch deer, and if you kill a 200 inch deer, I'm going to be happy for you. But I really don't give a shit. 
honestly. <laughs> like I don't. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot you a text and say congratulations. Yeah. But really means nothing to to me. Right. Uh, and you know, when I when I go through social media and I, I see these guys or these women and I, I you know I, I see pictures of them with their family or they're talking about it just me personally like because i've made a lot of mistakes man i'm no better than no one um and i've ruined some relationships like i'll admit it and like um the family and god has got to come first if you do those things man if you do those things right everything else falls into place yeah yeah i think the big uh, one of the things that I always like remind myself with doing this whole deer vein thing. I mean, it is time consuming and I take away from my family time and I try to do it outside of family time. Um, but it's one thing I always have to remember and keep my sights on is like, I'm doing this like for me. And if I don't enjoy it anymore, or if I think of it like a job and, and I don't want to do it, then why the hell am I doing it? You know, all this stuff is is supposed to be fun. So that's, you know, it's supposed to be fun. And, and another reason I do it is to help other people. Cause you know, there's a lot of, a lot of hunters out there that to your point of regurgitated information, you know, especially with COVID, you know, hunting licenses and fishing licenses are through the roof this year. Um, yep. So it's, it's kind of, it's trying to help those people out who are just getting started and, uh, and keep them into hunting because it's, it's just something I, I want my son to be able to do for his whole life. And I want my grandkids to be able to do it, assuming I have some at some point. Um, and I don't want it. I don't want it to be like taken away. So the more people we have in there, the less likely it's to be taken away by anybody. Um, but yeah, at the same time, like, like you say, it's, it's doing, doing it for, for yourself. And when it ain't fun or if it's impinging on your family or your faith, like then you need to take a look back at the mirror and go, why am I doing this? Am I doing it for Insta famous? Cause that ain't the right, that ain't the right reason. I mean, you have to, you have to keep your cup full because if your cup's not full, then you don't have enough. There's nothing to pour out for your right. friends, family, but you have to find that balance to where, man, I don't care what you say. If, if you're putting your hobbies above your family or, or God, like, I'll just tell you right now, you ain't, you're not living right. And I've done it. So, um, you know, or yeah. just take, take my word for it. <laughs> yep. No, man, that's one of those things my dad always said to me. He's like, man, I want to tell you this because I don't want you to make the same mistakes I've made. But at the same time, some mistakes you just make yourself and you learn that lesson yourself the hard way. <laughs> yep. And I've, I've been there too, man. I've definitely put, you know, other people above people, people I don't even care about above my family. And I'm like, why am, why do I care about what you think? And why am I trying to bend my life around you? When at this, at the end of the day, you don't care about me nearly what my family does. Uh, 10 years ago, I was in a lot more arguments about deer hunting than what I am now. And that's because <laughs> my priorities weren't right. Um, right a lot of that stuff just rose over my shoulder, you know, mm -hmm. nowadays, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, like, I, I like your thought of, of you got to keep your cup full so you can pour out some dollars. And that's, that, that's true. You got to take care of yourself and you got to make sure you're, you're in the right. So you can give to other people that 
that makes you do, sense. man, because I, I have been there and I, you know, I was there, you know, not too long ago. Like I'm not ashamed to tell anybody anything um, because I'm a man. I'll, I'll own up to my mistakes or my faults. Like I got to a point in my life to where, man, I was taking care of my kids so much, you know, and just trying to think about everybody else that, man, there, there just wasn't much of me left. I was stretched thin. Um, yeah. So it just, you have to take care of yourself, but you know, you got to find that, that line or that balance to where your family comes first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I, I think one of the things that's really helping me out with that this year, and it's, it's uh, this is a different road. I was expecting this podcast to go down, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, I um, like that's what everybody tells me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, one of the thoughts that I, that I'm trying to do this year is, you know, in this, in this world, it's always kind of like, go, go, go. And you're always trying to go to the next thing that you're never really like stopping to think about and focus on what your goals are, you know, five months out, 10 months out, four months, four years out, 10 years out, and where you want to be with, with your family and what you want to do. So the other night I actually sat down, popped open my computer and I started writing goals and I had, I had uh, four categories that I put down and it was, uh, it was where I want to be with my family, where I want to be in my career, where I want to be with Deer Vane. And then I forget what the other one was, but those were, those were like the top three that I had written down. And, um, and just kind of planning those out for me and sitting there and thinking about that has really helped me kind of like it started to already help me narrow, narrow down what I'm focused on and what I spend my time doing throughout my day, you know, cause I, you know, get up at five or 6 AM and I have an hour or two to myself before I'm, you know, getting my son up and getting off to work and all that stuff, working all day. And then I got a couple hours with my son and my wife at home. And then I got, you know, a couple more hours after my son goes to bed with my wife to, to hang out with her and, do everything that I need to do. And then I go to bed and wake up and do it again. And it doesn't leave a whole lot of time for all the extracurriculars that you want to do, or that you think you want to do, or, you know, all these extra, you know, ideas that I have and whatnot. And it's just kind of really helping me narrow that down and setting those goals and figuring that out. I mean, you said that the, our, the podcast kind of went a different direction than what you thought it would or what you intended it to. But, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of this podcast, like, you know, we're doing it, but I'm, I'm nothing special, man. I, I'm no better than anybody else. So we could talk about killing big deer. I could tell you how I get it done, but I mean, it doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't, you, you have to get out there you have to be confident and you have to find your own way. Like don't, don't ever let somebody dictate what you shoot or how you hunt. Like, man, you hunt however you want. You hunt where you want public, private, doesn't matter to me. You hunt with what you want. As long as you're out there and having fun, because man, that is so lost in our hunting community now, you know, some of these people out there are, I know that they're hunting, but I know they're miserable. I know they are. I know they are. Um, yeah. So, man, just have fun, man. And, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you learn something from this podcast or next, 
you know, that's great. Take it out there, try to apply it. If it doesn't work for you, that, that doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. Um, you know, that just goes back to the woodsmanship. There's nothing that you can replace. You cannot buy time. There's nothing that replaces the time in your woods and learning yourself. Um, yep. you know, you have I to agree. Yeah, just apply I, yourself, man. Yep. Yeah, I think I I 100% agree on in that sense. It's just there's nothing that replaces boots on the ground and getting out and scouting and understand it because you can you can tell I can ask you about all these tactics that you're deploying, Josh, and then you can tell me them and people can listen to them. But until they understand how those actually function on the piece of property that they're hunting, whether it's public or private or a hunt club or a lease or whatever the hell it is, like it doesn't it doesn't matter because you can't you can't make it you can't make it work unless you know the property like if you're like well i need to you know you need to sit funnels during the rut okay if i don't know my property and where the funnels are then how can i do that right scouting and getting out boots on the ground is what tells you how to do that and having that knowledge and it, man it doesn't happen overnight so if you're listening to this and you're new to hunting like this this isn't going to happen in a year or two um you gotta think long term if if you've been hunting for 20 years and you're looking for to change some things and you're looking for more knowledge like same thing it's not going to happen overnight like it's a it's a big there's a big bell curve here in learning and being successful yeah. so you know you know don't beat yourself self up for it if you know you're new into hunting and you've been hunting five years and you haven't killed you haven't killed a buck because I'm telling you, <laughs> I hunted like 10 years before I did. It's hard. Yeah. And I think, I th yeah, I think social media makes it seem like there's big bucks around every corner. And if you ain't killing, then you're just, you're bad at it. And it's not the case at all, <laughs> at all. Like, I mean, success rate on killing bucks across the country is like sub 5%. You know, it's a... Uh, people people tend to think like they need to kill big bucks in order to be successful and it's just like you said i mean i said it earlier four to six years to learn a property it's not one season and you got it figured out it's not even two seasons it's years and years and even after four to six years you know things change you know you had ehd hit and that's going to change the dynamic of that piece and now all of a sudden you know, that four to six years, well, you can take, you can take some information from it, but you can't take everything and you got to restructure for these new deer that are going to be growing up in this place that are probably going to be using the terrain a little different because they don't have, you know, their, their, all their, all the history of that through that herd. You know, it's, it's You're just, correct. yeah. So, all right, man. Well, we've been, been on about an hour and I know you got stuff to do today. It's Sunday and you want to spend some time with your girlfriend and family and whatnot. So I appreciate you coming on. And if, uh, if anybody wants to find you, it's, it's, it's BG underscore bow hunter, right? Yep. BG underscore bow hunter on Instagram. That's really the only platform I use. It's nothing special. It's just me <laughs> in the woods. Yep. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And you're putting up a lot of, I, I really enjoy in the photos lately. It's uh, there's some good ones in there for sure. And I, and I read one of the comments you're like, why are you posting so many photos or these are some great photos. And you're like, yeah, it's cause I'm not killing anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, but 
I will say this, like I have had multiple people ask me if I'm like a professional hunter or you live in the woods. I, I really don't. I'm not better than anybody. I only go four days a month tops. But when I'm out there, I'm taking hundreds of photos. Does that slow me down a little bit? Absolutely. But do I enjoy it? And I'm out there having fun doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, for sure. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on Josh. Really appreciate it. And, um, you know, have a great Sunday, man. All right, man. God bless. I'll talk to you later. All right. See you, bud.